The Pitch. Day 2, Pitch 2. September 16th, 2020. The day Facebook stopped serving us eerily spot-on ads. Before this, Facebook was tracking our every move on every app and targeting us for products we didn't even know we needed. Startups like Glossier, Allbirds, and Casper all turned into billion-dollar companies by pouring VC money into these targeted ads. It's like, for this brief moment in time, there was a machine that printed unicorns. That was until Apple shut it all down with their release of iOS 14. It completely kneecapped Facebook's ability to collect data on you. And overnight, that unicorn printer got jammed indefinitely. What then should you do if you're a founder trying to scale the next big consumer brand? How do you convince VCs to give you money? Sounds like a tough sell. Today, that's exactly what's happening on our show. Founder Ali Kamenetsky will need to convince investors she has her own path to build a billion-dollar business. I'm Josh Muccio, and you're listening to The Pitch, where real entrepreneurs pitch to real investors for real money. I'm Neil Salas Griffin, Managing Director here at Techstar Chicago, and I'm happy to welcome you all to my city. I'm Phil Nadell. I'm the Managing Director of Forefront Venture Partners. I'm Jillian Manis, Managing Partner of Structure Capital. I'm Mark Phillips, Managing Director of 11 Tribes Ventures. I'm Victor Gutwein. I'm the Founder and Managing Partner of M25. The pitch for Modern Picnic is coming up after this. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. The information provided on this show is not intended to be investment advice and should not be relied upon as such. The investors on today's episode are providing their opinions based on their own assessment of the business presented. Those opinions should not be considered professional investment advice. Hi there. Hi this is so exciting. I've never done anything like this before. Amazing. Wow. Oh, Neither have is... I. All right. Okay, cool. Well, hi, everyone. My name is Ali Kamenetsky, and I'm the founder of Modern Picnic. Modern Picnic is a community-driven brand that makes insulated vegan leather lunchboxes for women. Think Yeti, but cater towards women who put style and functionality first. I started Modern Picnic completely out of a personal need. When I graduated from college, I was working in the fashion industry, bringing my lunch to work every day because of how much faster, cheaper, and healthier it was. However, I quickly realized I did not have a chic, functional, or sustainable way to do so. And when I went online to buy myself a lunchbox, I saw options for little kids and men, but none for women who wanted to look good or do good. So given the options on the market, from there, Modern Picnic was born. And we launched with our first product called the Luncher, which as you can see here, chic, functional, sustainable, clean with the wipeable interior and exterior. Mm. However, since we've launched, we've since come out with a strategic product assortment, all varying in price point, functionality, versatility. We've done over $4 million in cumulative sales from over 20,000 units sold, 
all while maintaining an incredibly lean team. We've been featured in over 350 press hits, Forbes, The New York Times, The Today Show, Vogue, Oprah, Harper's Bazaar, amongst others. We've been able to work with other leading brands such as American Express and Swell, and more recently have started expanding our wholesale and retail footprint, launching in Saks just a couple months ago. We are currently seeking $2 million in seed capital to accelerate our growth, fuel our momentum, and take the business to the next level. That was great. Thank you, Ali. Would you mind passing around one of those? Yeah. Oh, my God. I'd love to. You can pick one that goes with my outfit. Yeah. (laughs) It is a little bit better than just like your normal. I would love a cooler. Like, I feel like it's the the feeling of that feels higher quality than like a a cheesy lunchbox type. How does it work? I mean, Mm. tell us a little bit more about what the market looks like. Yeah. All of our products have an $150 AOV. We have about a $60 average CAC. Major way we've acquired our online visitors and sales is through paid ads. In terms of market size, I like to look at Yeti as a comp. Yeti is currently valued at over $9 billion by understanding their original core audience outdoorsmen and leaning into it. Now who's covering them for the cosmopolitan working woman? We're trying to do that. Have you seen anybody try to copy this? Yeah, so we're the first to market in this space. Right. We've seen some companies start adding lunchboxes to their mix. Yeah. Like Dagny Dover, for instance. Right. They added a lunchbox, but it's not like what we're doing. You know, different customer base. Theirs is neoprene. It's more uh, sporty looking, while ours is more, you know, just a different style. So talk about the hard costs. So our product margins are excellent at over 80 to 90%. Gross margin goes down as still incredibly strong at around 60%, which will only continue to be strong as we grow in scale. So you said your average price point's like $150? $150. So and, this, only, and your cost is only $15, $20? Yeah. Wow. And where are these manufactured? Uh, they're manufactured in China. We did a brief stint in Indonesia, but ultimately the money that we were saving on tariffs was offset by it being further away and the cost of goods sold being higher and the quality wasn't as good. Are you you said you, you just recently launched in Saks. So has it been all direct-to-consumer up until now? Yeah, so we started as a direct-to-consumer brand in an effort to prove the concept, build the brand equity, but most importantly, tighten up our supply chain. We bootstrapped this company for a couple of years. I was shipping out of my parents' garage. <laughs> so even if we had the opportunity to sell to Saks, we wouldn't have been able to operationally fulfill it. So this is our first year that we're leaning into it. And we're really excited to be talking to Nordstrom's, Bloomingdale's, and we currently work with Dillard's and we'll be hopefully launching with Bloomingdale's in Q1. Well, speaking of your parents' garage, what's your background? Can you yes. elaborate a little bit more about how you got here? Yeah, of course. So I went to Lehigh University where oh, I yeah. studied supply chain management and marketing before supply chain was such a buzzword. Mm. Right after graduating, I went on to work at Macy's. It was at Macy's where I got such a great foundation into the retail industry, but it was also at Macy's where I came up with the idea for Modern Picnic. Mm. And I think it's worth noting, I was 22 years old when I came up with the idea for Modern Picnic. I was able to successfully launch a company within two years, highlighting my ability to make things happen for not only myself, but most importantly, the company. So did you go through the Macy's EDP pro- program? You did. Yeah. It's an incredible program. Oh my god. Oh my I mean, god. I definitely credit it for like learning everything like retail math and you know, our pricing, like our margins are strong. I learned, yep. you know, costing structure and mm-hmm. really like buyer wholesale relationship which now like we're starting to do more so and it was 
It's really, really amazing. Can you talk a little bit about your core customer archetypes, like who you yeah. kind of see as your you know ideal customer and who's buying the most? Yeah. So the modern picnic customer is the majority of our customers are 25 to 34-year-old working women living in cities, all at that mid to high discretionary income, really valuing that attainable luxury element of our product. One thing I think is worth noting is Modern Picnic has done a really good job capturing the eyes of the Gen Z demo, shown by our pretty massive TikTok following. We actually have like millions on there, which is crazy. Um, but really, like the Modern Picnic customer is so much more dynamic than that, whether she's a new mom who needs a way to store her breast milk, a vegan who cares about what her products are made out of, or a healthcare worker who simply does not have time to leave in the middle of the day to get food. Modern Picnic is for her. We've also seen women who just buy our products because they like the silhouette of the bag and want to use it as a bag, which is totally fine too. I'd love to invert that a little bit just to understand, like, what have you learned about the customer experience afterwards? And what product changes have you made based on those insights? So our luncher we launched with, and that's really like to fit like one meal plus a drink, like a snack. We're getting people telling us, well, I'm a nurse and I have long shifts and I need to carry breakfast, lunch, dinner, and more. And so then we're like, okay, meet the large luncher. Mm -hmm. Then we were getting some people saying, well, I really don't want to carry two bags. I want to carry my laptop with it. and But I also want a lot of space. And we're like, we got you, meet the tote. Then we were getting some women saying like, hold up, like, I don't bring lunch to work. Like, I don't do that, but I do like to bring snacks. And so we're like, okay, meet the snacker. So every product have been incredibly intentional. One product I'm it really passionate about, I think there's a lot of money being left on the tables with food containers. If we're speaking households alone, safe to assume that every kitchen in the United States has a cabinet with food containers. If we could capture a slice of that market, that's massive. So right now, sitting next to two prototypes of food containers, I have the supply chain ready to go. I have the factory lined up. I have the packaging ready. Everything's ready to go. We're just waiting except for- Except $2 million. Except we're waiting for more funding to come <laughs> through it. to go into production with it. I thought your comp to Yeti was really interesting because Yeti's become just like a cool brand when it started for outdoors. Can you share a little bit about your vision? Obviously, you continue expanding bags. Is there a broader vision? So the product I'm really excited about is hard-shelled coolers. So right now- there's a massive miss. You can get a Yeti hard-shelled cooler. They're the best in the business. Super masculine, super rugged, super expensive. On the opposite end of the spectrum, you can get an igloo cooler from your local CVS. That's cheap, but there's nothing beautiful or functional about it. Nobody is even touching hard-shelled coolers for that woman who caters towards style and functionality. And so we set out to change that. It's going to be white lacquer, gold detailing, and it's going to be a hard-shelled cooler that women want in their Instagram photos, that you want on your boat, that you want to bring to the beach with your friends. And it's going to be so amazing. Yeti has this. They have pink ones. They're doing a whole female branded line. I also know that there are a lot of these on um, Etsy. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just interested why that is the next product. So Yeti built a $40 million business off of one cooler that came in four different sizes. After that, of course, they expanded and accelerated from there, coming out with everything under the sun. So it's a massive market and multiple can play in the space. And right now, Women sometimes like don't want to buy something off of Etsy. They want something more 
elevated and more functional and more durable, but also the Yeti brand they've cemented themselves into ultra masculine, rugged, outdoorsy, and they have a women's line, but we're gonna do it in just a different way. And what do you expect over the next couple of years about the breakdown in revenue between direct-to-consumer as well as these partnerships with great stores like Saks? Yeah, so right now it's so heavily right. like skewed towards D2C just because we just started this year. Mm. Right now it's like 95.5. Yeah. Um, next year we're projecting it to be more like 80-20. While like direct-to-consumer, we expect to always account for the majority of our revenue. Yeah. We do have that three-dimensional distribution strategy, e-com, wholesale, and retail. Mm. So what have you seen as far as customers coming back and purchasing again or purchasing, you know, you start with your uh, hero product and then go to the larger or smaller ones? So our returning customer rate is actually above industry average year to date. It's at like a 23%. This answers the question, well, how many of these do people need? And the answer to that is, well, clearly given our target demo and given our price point, she might not need more, but she wants more and she's coming back for more. On the flip side, our returned product rate is very low, less than 5%. Damn, Allie knows every single number and she knows her customer inside and out. Seems like she has everything investors would want. But will that be enough to get a consumer deal done in the pitch room? That's coming up after this. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. We talk to a lot of entrepreneurs on the show, and one thread that connects them all, they're not just pitching their business, they're pitching themselves. Because small business owners know that their business is more than just a company, it's their whole life. And State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, and they know what it takes. They can help you choose personalized policies to fit your budget. That's the personal touch. That's small business insurance from State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Welcome back to The Pitch Room. Allie's pitch for her stylish lunchboxes so far is going smoother than expected. But the investors are going to want to know what the CAC is going on here. And CAC, if you don't know, was born out of investors' love of acronyms that sound like insults or curse words. For example, get the cack out of here, you cack and cack hole. Okay, whenever you hear cack in this episode, just think cost of getting a new customer. Here's Victor. So you $4 million lifetime to date. What what does that look like each year starting in 2018? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, a couple thousand maybe, and then how does it grow? Yeah, there? so... We bootstrapped the company, and then in 2020, we raised like friends and family pre-seed. We, we raised $900,000, and that allowed us to pretty easily triple the business from $600,000 in sales in 2020 to $1.8 million in 2021. Mm-hmm. Just goes to show, with a little injection of capital, like what we can do. So and What have we, you done this year, then? Uh, this year, we're on track to doing just over $2 million. We were on track to doing 3.7, 3.8, doubling the business again. But this year, we've scaled back our ad spend by 80%. 
in an effort to preserve burn, extend out runway, um, but we're still seeing top line growth, which is Do you have a good crazy. CAC estimate for what it was uh, before you scale back? So right now our year-to-date CAC is around like a 57. $57 last year, per customer? Yeah. Okay. Last year was a bit higher. I, I was just going to say, it seems like your, your unit economics are really good for, for physical product, surprisingly good. So if you're covering your CAC and making money on your first purchase, why scale back ads? Last year, when like post iOS 14, when that happened, we saw like CAC increase, and that's when like our focus on like diversification of marketing really like took suit, and like we started pulling from Facebook, not even in a uh, effort to preserve burn at that point, but more so to just like yeah, every DTC brand had to do that at the same time, right? Facebook has forever changed. And so we're never gonna go back in there full force. That's why we're focusing on wholesale expansion. We're really gonna lean into that. And then product development, wanna bring these food containers to market and we'll be launching the food containers with Amazon and then some of our retail partners as well. So continuing to focus on efficiency and get to profitability, which if we can raise the money, we're on track to being profitable by Q2 of 23. the numbers last year sort of weren't sustainable. This year they are, but as you ramp up ad spend, you're exploring some new acquisition channels, or you will be, and you'll figure out what your what your CAC is from those and, and, and try to make it sustainable going forward, right? That's correct. Okay. Especially with like wholesale support, and then also introduce new sales channels. We haven't even skim the surface of what we can do on marketing like forget about like paid ads like paid ads are working but like we're not spending that much money on it Mm -hmm. so like first and foremost like we got to inject a little bit more money into it but then also like we haven't even touched influencer marketing or tiktok ads we have millions on tiktok organically we're not paying any money so it's like what if we put a little money behind that so there's so much wild posters so we did our first wild poster campaign a couple weeks ago in the city what is that yeah so we basically had these signs like plastered over the streets of new york and they were cheeky and bright and they said like yes it's a lunchbox we had a hundred posters what if we could do a hundred thousand posters you know there's things like this that like we're not even touching, but then things that we are touching that we haven't even like, we're doing it at such small scale. And like, I know what's working and what's not working and where we need to inject capital and also where we need to test into. We just kind of need a chance to do so because we've laid this cool brand. We've laid a really strong foundation. We bootstrapped the company, built it into a multi-million dollar business. And now we just need to fuel the growth and the momentum. Yeah, I'm really encouraged by, you know, what you've done and where you're at. I have to say uh, I'm out for just a couple reasons. I think I have some reservations regarding focus. So one thing that was a little unclear to me was um, reconciling this notion of no one is in the middle of this space of building these hard shells for, for women. One, as I think about that among all the other products you have, hearing that Yeti's doing something similar, that brings me pause. But at the same time, it seems like you're clearly on the track to win. So I, you have my support. I'm excited to see where you go with this. Yeah, no, thank you so much. Yeah. I, I, um, I'm also not going to be an investor here. I think that overall DTC as an industry has not figured out how to scale like the new channels now that they can't spend VC dollars on Facebook and Google spend 
they you are experimenting just like the whole you know basically all of shopify's venture backed brands are experimenting you know right now knowing that there's basically a flat growth year as a venture capitalist i need i i just can't invest in in you know flat businesses and then the idea is that you're going to find a more uh, scalable way i haven't seen that across other dtc companies yet i don't know if you'll get there i think there's a chance but it's kind of a lot to believe in but I also worry about the long, like the long plan for market size, just because this feels more niche than what I've seen from other brands that have gotten to that kind of billion dollar mark. I think the archetypes, I think, are a little too narrow for me to be confident to invest in this at this point. Um, I do think it's encouraging, though, that you could maybe raise a relatively small amount to get to. It seems like you have your own destiny in your hands. You know, maybe you don't ever get to 2x in year over year, but you get to 50% growth over year over year, you're profitable, mm-hmm. and then you own the bulk of this company. That's the, kind of the vision I see for that. And also probably a lot of DDC companies uh, kind of in the market right now. Yeah. I, I, have, I have to say that uh, I'm just, I'm really impressed by you. Yes. I feel like you know your target customer so well. You know your product really well. Um, I'm struggling with the economics of it mm-hmm. and and the idea that, you know, you're going to figure out going forward what those customer acquisition channels are. But if the wholesale channels take off, that could help. But it's it's hard to say whether that's going to work. So for me, I'm going to pass... Um, I really am impressed with you, and and that's what's kept me in it this whole time. I'm thinking about it, thinking about it because I'm just, I just feel like you're really in touch with this brand and this customer, and you know the space well. And if anyone can make it work, it's you. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, I, I well said, Phil. Um, yes, Ellie, you're a force. The fact that you you dropped ad spend so much and you still have top line growth, it's genuinely super inspirational. So. I hope you hear that and take that away. I'm going to pass as well. It's really just a question of fit for our fund. Um, and I think Victor articulated a lot of the direct-to-consumer challenges that we've seen as well. So I just want to encourage you to also, you know, even if it's a pass for me, even though that's a no, you have a ton of different options in front of you of how do you grow this brand because it is you, right? right. You're personifying it, and that's a really cool thing to see. And I think the control you have over the business gives you a ton of optionality. So um, thank you for sharing this with us. I really appreciate it. So um, first of all, I love the fact that you know your numbers cold. Every single, I mean, there is not, not one point that you stumbled on any of that. And that's so refreshing. I look for this fanatical customer that must have a product, but I'm not quite sure I'm seeing um, the repeatable customer. I'm not, it's kind of a nice to have, not a need to have. And that's silly of me because the nice to haves are some of the most successful products, especially in your generation. This has such a cool factor. Um, And I love female founders and I'm trying to struggling in my head to figuring out who to introduce you to or how to help you because You're good. You're really, really good. I just, for me, I understand the cute factor of it, but I'm not understanding the broader um, sale. 
here, and I'm sorry about that because oh, you're no. such. I'm what, sorry. What's you're happening? Such, what's okay. happening? How are oh you? Oh my god! No, no, I don't no. know. Like, Tell us well, about. I've been pitching like for over a year, like for a year. I like don't know what's. I, I think yeah. I don't know. Do yeah, I'm like just, so off brand. I'm like never yeah, like this. Oh my god! I no, can't no, believe no, myself. Allie, no, no, no. This is all such good feedback, and like I yeah, you, I totally get it. Like what you're saying about like. It's hard the for growth him. and like maybe we don't need to grow 300%. I totally get yeah. it. It's well, such and it it has to be said our opinions don't define you, yeah. right? Like Oh no, no we are and, and you know that like, <laughs> yeah. and I want you to hear that everyone yeah. I, I feel the same way as Jillian and Phil like who you are as a founder is exactly the type of person we want to invest yeah. into. Yeah. yeah. Right? So whether it's this whether it's the next thing but like who you were born to be like you're in exactly the right spot. Yeah. You're a successful yeah. business. I just don't think you should feel forced on the venture capital track right yeah. now. Yes. It's not the year. Yeah. Yes. No, we've definitely had more luck with angels yes. than yeah. like VCs, which is like totally fine with me. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Allie. Yeah. Thank you, Allie. Thank, Thank you so you. much. It was so great to meet you. All right. Thanks, Allie. Thank you. Thank you. So, you know, women, female founders, you know, it's very hard because women really take it so personally. Yeah. And that yeah. is such a such an awful pitch was incredible. It was incredible. She was she, the she best was pitch so, yet. Absolutely. Yeah, she was, she was the most impressive. She, she so knew impressive. every single number. Yeah. I've never seen that from a founder. She went through all the training. She knew everything cold. Yeah, I'll admit, though, I was a little confused at the Yeti thing. That dropped off a cliff. But Jillian, without your perspective on that, I would have been a little lost. I would have taken her at her word. I would have not actually yeah. understood what else was out there and that one of the major players already had an existing competing yeah. product, even though and she said otherwise. And they're So that, was, that, for me, was a trigger yeah. to like dig in and, and have a little hesitancy mm, around yeah. focus. Josh I, is in the house. What's up, Hi, Josh? Hi, Josh. Hey, that killed me. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I'm not even that empathetic, and I was kind of sad. We like transitioned very quickly back to the business, but I think anyone that feels like defined by a decision of a venture capitalist, like yeah. our opinions don't mean anything. Oh, yeah. It's oh, hard yeah. for people to understand that. in this but, line of work. We're, we are wrong most of the time. Yes. <laughs> that's I mean, exactly just how it goes. That's like, exactly I think right. here's why it's so hard. You pour your heart and soul into the company, so I it know. does feel like it's you. Your baby's ugly, you know. It, yeah, yes. Yeah. Say that again. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He's whatever. So it's um, I would put her in any other company. Truthfully, she's yeah, that good. She's gonna I do mean, some, she's got. She's, she's gonna do some Two or three years, she sells this for fifty million to, and then she's <laughs> on to her next thing. Yeah, and she comes back and she says, "Stuff it." Well, she's yeah. sitting in your like, chair. She's good. sitting in your chair, and she backs the next generation Fantastic. of. Uh, yeah. And you want to invest in this generation. That's what we're trying to do here. Ah, cack. I knew going into this pitch, it would be a hard sell. But I really thought Allie could pull it off. I just didn't realize how hard it would be. I, like Allie, left feeling deflated and wondered if maybe these investors weren't the best fit for this pitch. When we come back, we catch up with Allie and meet an investor who's still cutting checks in consumer companies.
This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. Small business owners know that it's not just business, it's personal. Your business is your life, and State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, so they know what it takes. They can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. And they live and work in your community. So you're not just getting an insurance plan, you're getting that personal touch. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Welcome back. Allie crushed her pitch. She's one of the most badass founders we've had on our show. Every answer was like Steph Curry draining another three-pointer. Swish. So, not going to lie, when all the investors passed, it just felt wrong. When we reconnected a few months after her pitch, I wanted to know how Allie felt. How were you feeling when you walked out of the room? A lot of different emotions. It was like nothing I've ever done before. And so it was really exciting. And we were disappointed that we didn't get an investment at the time. But looking back on it, it's like, wow, everything really happens for a reason. But um, it was definitely an exciting experience for sure. Everything happens for a reason. What do you mean by that? Well, just our fundraise in the fall, it felt like nobody was really writing checks, especially to early stage consumer businesses like ourselves. And so what we decided in the fall was, you know what? Let's just pause the fundraise and go back to basics and really kind of focus on efficiency and profitability. And let's trade Top line growth for bottom line efficiency. Let's focus on preservation of Mm -hmm. cash and being hyper efficient and carving out a path towards profitability. And rather than just like outreaching, cold outreaching to these investors every single day and kind of hitting this wall, let's just focus. Sure. Yeah. So you went back, you focused on the business instead of growth at all costs. It's like profitability at all costs. So what's happened since then? Oh my God, so much has happened since then. It's like a different like life. So since we <laughs> left you guys, we have locked in container store, in store and online, and with a new product that we're launching with them. We're also launching with Nordstrom, and we're also working on getting set up with Bloomingdale's. This is all since November? Yeah, I know. We've been busy, but also since we last spoke, um, we were on Good Morning America. Modern picnic. So we make these vegan leather insulated lunch boxes so you can put your food inside and bring it wherever you go and no one would ever know you're no, carrying a no. lunch box. I got connected to their online team in January through a friend and who knew Sony worked there and talked to her about Modern Picnic and she was like, I think this would be really great for an online test. And I was like, thank you so much. Like, I so appreciate that. But like, I really think we should do an on-air test. Uh (laughs) And she was like, well, you know, like, we typically like to start our brands online first and, like, then see how it goes. I was like, I totally get that, but, like, trust me, we belong on air. And she's like, okay, I'll talk to my team about it. And so they actually came back, like, a week later and were like, so actually, like, we have this special segment coming up for Women's History Month and it'll be a special one where you can be on air with the product and we need confirmation and like by like today it was craziness yeah they were like okay 
for picking you up at 4.30 in the morning. And you said, I was literally doing my makeup at 3.30 in the morning. Or I don't know if that's the morning. 3.30 in the yeah. middle of the night. And it was crazy. <laughs> we did like what we do in a month in like a day. In sales. Like, crazy. So um, one of the main threads in the pitch room was how this like VC dollar to Facebook ad spend funnel that takes direct-to-consumer brands like Modern Picnic from two million in sales to a billion dollar company. Like that is broken. The investors, they just want to see this like systematic approach to churn out billion dollar companies. It it kind of bothers me a little bit because I'm just like that. Like, aren't you investing in the person building it and trusting that they're going to figure out ways to grow the business? Like, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of D2C businesses that are not getting funding from VCs anymore because of that. Yeah. In situations that are uncomfortable, like iOS or, you know, not being able to raise capital or whatever it might be, whatever kind of, like, roadblock you're going through, like it forces you to like be creative and try something new and go back to basics. And what's works for us is we're like, okay, let's take that money we just pulled from Facebook and let's invest it into trade show. Let's go to Atlanta. Let's set up a booth. Let's go to Coterie. Let's set up a booth. And with that, I mean, oh my God, like we saw like a 10X at Coterie from like what we invested versus like what we got out of it. And that's just a first order with some of these like stores around the country hmm. now. And so there's obviously going to be a repeat purchase rate, but like that's a way more efficient use of our dollar. That doesn't mean that we're not going to run Facebook ads. We're just going to run it at a way smaller scale and we're going to supplement and fill the funnel elsewhere. Nothing can keep Ali down. There has to be a VC willing to back this founder, right? Backstage was one of the first investors in the company, and the growth has just been tremendous. That's Christy Pitts. Christy's been a friend of the show for several years now. She's also a general partner at Backstage Capital, which is known for backing underestimated founders. Let me tell you about Allie's pitch on our show. Um, okay. She crushed it. <laughs> I am not surprised at whatsoever. She is a force. That's Allie. But... Each of the investors, you could feel the like pain in the room because they're like, ah, but the Facebook ad thing doesn't work anymore. Mm -hmm. We can't just pour money into these companies to turn them into billion dollar valued companies. Wait, everybody passed? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh yeah. my goodness. Nobody invested. Oh my God. Okay. All right. But you, why did you choose to invest in this, like despite Everyone, everyone else not investing in D2C anymore. So Ali is a really impressive founder, and we are betting that the founder can see around corners. Uh, for as long as I've been in business, there have always been events that occur that are outside of founder's control. There's so many reasons why a startup fails, and it could be something like Facebook ads or like the new um, adpocalypse or whatever it's being called. <laughs> um, and from my experience, these are not the reasons why a startup fails. Um, startups usually fail um, for other reasons, like maybe they don't find product market fit or they have personnel issues like conflict with their co-founder. You know, there's so many different things that can go wrong. And so at least when I'm looking at making an investment, I try not to 
pin too closely to something like the adpocalypse. All you have to do is look at Ali's track record to see that she's going to be able to sell and move product. Right. And so she's going to be, she and she's going to do that successfully regardless of the business environment. And she's also innovative. She's solving a problem for her um, customer who has money and feels overlooked. Those, to me, those are two much bigger things that um, weigh in her favor than maybe a change that Facebook or Instagram has made. Yeah, I guess my th- my theory is like, <laughs> just because Facebook ads don't work doesn't mean there aren't going to be huge brands built in the next 10 years. It just means they're going to be built differently. That's right. And Modern Picnic is huge on TikTok. Is TikTok going to be legal in the U.S.? Who knows? <laughs> Modern Picnic will still be huge. <laughs> like, right. that's That might be too optimistic, too glass half full, but that's more of how I like to approach it because... I think Ali has demonstrated already in the business that she diversifies across different channels and she's bringing something new to the market. Yeah. The other thing I would say is um, history is being made every day. And that is something that's very hard, a hard line to walk as an investor because you can point to what's happened in the past, but it's our job to predict and influence the future. And sometimes we are wildly right and sometimes we're wildly wrong. And more often than not, we're wrong. That actually... Brings me to a question. One of the investors in the room saw what Ali's was doing and said it was just too niche. He didn't see how it was going to get to a billion dollar outcome. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Why are you laughing? Women are niche. (laughs) Working women are niche. Really? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) is that is that what I'm supposed to be taking away from this here? (laughs) Women who eat are niche. I'm sorry if I'm being if I'm being a little bit extra in my reaction here, but come on. I don't think you're wrong. Yeah. I'm feeling like the pitch fund should invest in this. Mm-hmm. You saw Ali pitch. You heard, um, I respect all of the investors that are on the show. And you heard what their concerns are. And at the end of the day, venture capital is asset management. And given the size of the pitch fund and the opportunity here, I agree with you, but I have a conflict of interest. I'm an investor in Modern Picnic. But yeah, I mean, like you can you can easily see how um, creating the business case to make the investment when you're uh, managing a relatively small amount of capital, understanding what Ali has done so far and what her plans are, it's it looks like a great deal to me. Well, and the fact that she's about to turn profitable makes it feel like this thing's not going to zero. Who knows, Josh? <laughs> Don't yeah. say that out loud. Touch wood. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> too soon, too soon. I might have right. said that about Silicon Valley Bank a couple months ago. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. Don't get me started on that. But that's, that's part of the ride. That's why this job is one of the best jobs in the world. There's risk in any early-stage investment. But sometimes that risk is worth it for the right founder. That's the bet we're making in Alley. The pitch fund is investing in Modern Picnic. Would you also want to do a syndicate that lets listeners invest? Yes. So that is like what I'm most excited about because we are a community-driven brand. And so to give other people the opportunity to, you know, start dabbling in investments regardless of size is so exciting and important to kind of like democratize access to investment opportunities and capital and start investing in companies that they believe in.
you're interested in investing in Modern Picnic, go to pitch.show slash picnic. Next week on The Pitch. Just to be very direct, there have been a number of folks who have tried this type of approach. Yeah, that's uh, a great point. I actually was a part of creating the model that influencer marketing is today. So I always like to say first, I'm sorry. (laughs) Second of all, we learned a lot. We're going to burn it to the ground and start fresh. That's next week in The Pitch Room. See you on Wednesday. Pitch is me, Josh Muccio, Lisa Muccio, Carrie Ann Thomas, Anna Ladd, and Enoch Kim. Music in today's show is from The Musemaker, Breakmaster Cylinder, Bass Collector, Joey Cantor, Our Many Stars, Feverkin, and Anders. We're casting founders for the next season of our show to be recorded this June in San Diego, California. Go to pitch.show apply and simply upload your pitch deck. We're looking for companies raising pre-seed or seed. You can check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at The Pitch Show. And if you want more from us, subscribe to Pitch Plus. You'll get ad-free listening to the entire catalog and occasional bonus content. Plus, it's a really good way to support the show. Just go to pitch.show slash plus to learn more. The Pitch is made in partnership with the Vox Media Podcast Network. The Pitch, Inc. and their respective employees and affiliates do not provide investment advice or make investment recommendations. The information provided on this show should not be used as the basis for making investment decisions. Listeners should conduct their own research and consult with their own investment advisors before making any investment decisions. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.